Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and your care. We thank you for your protection of your people that we're going to be studying about. And we ask that you just let us see what we should see from this. In your son's name, amen. All right. We're going to go ahead and read all 30 verses before we start. Because there's a lot of repetitious stuff in this section. So anybody listening on disc or internet, this is not really a message for kids from this chapter. Verse 1, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwelt, shall you not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whither I bring you, shall you not do. Neither shall you walk in their ordinances. Ye shall do my judgments, and keep my ordinances, to walk with therein. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. None of you shall approach to any of his near kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. The nakedness of your father, nor the nakedness of your mother, shall, shall you not uncover. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife shall you not uncover. It is your father's nakedness. The nakedness of your, of your sister the daughter of your father or, father or the daughter of your mother, whether she is born at home or born abroad, even their nakedness shall you not uncover. The nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, even their nakedness shall you not uncover, for theirs is, thine, is their own nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife's daughter, begotten of your father, she is your, your sister, you shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister, for she is your father's near kinswoman. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is your mother's near kinswoman. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. You shall not un approach to his wife, she is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your, of your daughter-in-law, she is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife, it is your brother's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter, neither shall you take her son's daughter nor her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness, for they are her near kinswoman. It is wickedness. Neither shall you take a wife to her sister to vex her to uncover her nakedness besides the other in her lifetime. Also you shall not approach into a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is, is put apart for her uncleanness. Moreover, you shall not carnally, lay carnally with, carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her, and you shall not let any of your seed pass through the fire of Moloch, neither shall you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. You shall not lie with, the, with mankind as with womankind, it is an abomination. Neither shall you lie with any beast to defile yourself therewith, neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down with Thereunto it is, it is confusion. Defile not yourselves in any of these things, for in all these things, all these the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. And the land is defiled, therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it. And the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation nor any of your strangers that sojourn among you. For, the, for all these abominations have the men of the land done which are before you and the land is defiled. 
and the land spew that the land spew not you out also when you defy when you defile it as it spewed out the nations that were before you. For whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them shall be cut off from the from among their people. Therefore shall you keep my ordinances and you commit that you commit not any of these abominable customs which were committed before you, and that you defile not yourself therein. I am the Lord your God. Alright. This is the strongest passage in the Bible on sexual sins. <laughs> and we want to look at this and start breaking it down a little bit, and we'll define some of these words a little closer so that you know when people try to lie to you, you know what they'll mean because... There are people that try to read this and say it doesn't say what it says. It's just as plain as it can be. And it's plainer in Hebrew than it is in English. So it says, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. After the doings of the land of Egypt, that wherein you dwelt, shall you not do. And after the doings of the land in Canaan, whither I bring you, shall you not do. Neither shall you walk in their ordinances. So we're going to talk a little bit about these two places, Egypt and Canaan. Now in Egypt, where they had just been for 230 years, sexual activity happened without any consideration as to who and what. Now technically it was against the law in Egypt to commit adultery, but it was turned away from almost all the time. But they had Adultery, insects, homosexuality, bestiality, and even in Egypt they had necrophilia, which is sex with dead bodies. This is what they came out of. This is what they were used to seeing around them uh, from the Egyptians. And the Egyptians highly valued women that had children. They were considered extremely feminine, and they would be, if you had children, you would be very attracted to men to have more children. Uh, so this was, this was the Egyptian lifestyle that they were coming out of and what they had spent 200 years in. They were getting ready to go into Canaan. I miss something. Would he mean they were... They were more feminine because they'd had children. They considered them more attractive and more feminine. They'd had children. They were doing what women were supposed to do, have babies. So the Egyptians looked at them as being more feminine than somebody who, who didn't, have, didn't have any kids. But that makes sense. Well, it makes sense for if you're trying to get kids in your, in your genealogy, it makes lots of sense. And that's, but see, that's part of what happens in this world. The idea of femininity and beauty changes over the years. In our generation, if the, if the woman is as thin as a rail and has no meat on her body, she's supposedly attractive. Now, I don't find the I don't find the skin and bones woman attractive at all. I, I think they're dying, but in our day and age, that seems to be what everybody thinks is the ideal woman. We went to this museum, uh, for, and they had a picture postcard from I think it was the 40s, 20s. Lynn says the 20s, and it says, "Here come the bathing beauties." <laughs> they had their one-piece suits, and they had meat on their bodies. And they were very, very well, well endowed. I mean, they were, you know, healthy. they were definitely healthy looking. You know, but it just shows you how the idea of beauty changes over time. Uh, when the farming was the big deal, you wanted a wife that had, 
you know, some strength and some, some you know, builder could be able to do duties on the, on the ranch or the farm, you know. So, but in the Egyptian viewpoint, the ideal woman was ones that had lots of kids. And so that was their, that was their picture. Now, in Canaan, which is where they're headed to, they had no words whatsoever for incest, homosexuality, bestiality. In Canaan, everything was fair game as far as sexual relations were considered. And God is going to be very specific as to how they are supposed to live in their to be godly. And this, this whole lifestyle comes from the idol worship and the fertility gods worship and, and everything that goes on. But when they have broken so far from God, then anything went. And as you saw, as, you, as we read at the end, God says, the Canaanites are so bad that the land is defiled and, and trying to get rid of them. So you figure they have to be really bad. Okay, in Egypt, they're not getting this statement that Egypt is so bad that the land is kicking them out because they at least had words for the sexual perversions. They didn't, didn't honor them. They're kind of like our land in our day where we're getting to uh, where sexual perversion is be becoming more and more considered the, the norm. And it's already now that homosexuality has been promoted, the other groups are now starting to come forward saying, well, if it's okay to have the same sex, well, why can't we have children? Why can't pedophilia be? Why can't I have more than one wife? Why, why can't I marry my dog or my cat? Okay, all of this stuff is already being floated out there, and we knew that it would be. Man's best friend, right? Yeah. We <laughs> knew that it would be as we started delving into the other sins that are out there. That's what people want. So, not everybody. Oh, but, sure, well, that's part of the that's part of the sin. Now, in Canaan, they had what they called their their last will and testament. And it says, "Love one another, love robbery, love lewdness, hate your masters, and do not speak the truth." Oh God! Wait, wait, what? Yeah, but in, in Canaan, that was a law. That was their. It was part of. It was called their last will and testament. But that was. This was what they lived by. A creed. It was a creed. You know, love other, love one another, which was not talking about just being nice to each yeah. other. Yeah. Uh, love robbery, so be thieves, steal from one another. Love lewdness, which is being inclined to lust and lasciviousness of. Obscene, in, indecent. Everything that God says, they, they taught the opposite and lived by. And this is why God is kicking them out of the land and putting Israel in, in their place. They have turned so completely against God, you know, hate your masters and speak not the truth. So everything that God says do, they, they did the, the opposite. opposite. And they had gotten so bad that God said they have totally defiled the land. And they had no words for any, any, you know, they just had the word sex. And it didn't matter whether it was with your, your, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your grandmother, your grandfather, your own mother, your own father, uh, your neighbor's wife or husband, 
uh, you know, homosexual relationship, bestiality. The Canaanites were extremely evil. And this is why God is kicking them out and God has said to the, will say to the Jews to kill every last one of them so that they don't pervert you. Because they're evil, yeah. You know, because of their evilness had gotten so extreme. Okay. If a person, Jean Poop, because I would like to get this out, it's filthy, and I'd like to say it as clean as I can. Jean Poop. A man has intimacy with an animal. No, no, no. A woman has intimacy with an animal and has what? Nothing. Confusion. No, there's no, there's not going to be an animal child. No, because everything produces after its own kind. Well, thank God, because I was wondering, and that'd be another reason for killing them all, to get rid yeah. of that gene. No, there's, everything produces after its kind. It's just, it's just an abomination or confusion. That's People get to confusion and define confusion in a different way. Yeah, that's... Different. So, but this is, this is what they had left. And this wasn't quite as bad as the Canaanites, and this is what they're headed to. And that's why God's going to tell them, kill all of them. Because he doesn't want their perversion in his people at all. He doesn't want them tempted. And this is why in Numbers, when Balaam tells Balak how to seduce and bring a curse upon Israel, he says, send your women in to, to, to lead the men astray and send your men in to lead the women astray. And this is what they were being led into. This kind of, not quite as bad as Canaan because they're outside of Canaan, but this is what they're being brought into, is this kind of lascivious lifestyle and free, free sexual expression. And our world is becoming more and more like this as we, move, as we move along. And all of this stuff goes on. All of this stuff goes on, even in our country, and has for many years. Mexico's like that. All, almost the entire world is like this. Where God is not present and his morality is not present, man will do what, they, do what they want to do and what's right in their own eyes. And this is what's right in their own eyes. And we've seen it over and over and over again that free sex is what people want to get to on their own. And the 60s mantra, free sex, don't, marriage doesn't matter, just have sex with whoever you want. You know, and they didn't really get into the incest and pedophilia and all of that stuff then, but all of that stuff has been building since that freedom of just go out and make yourself feel good. And so God is saying, don't do this. This is what the Egyptians, Egyptians did, and this is what the Canaanites do. And the Canaanites are so bad, I'm kicking them out of their land. Preferably They've defiled the land. And so, and it says, do my judgments and keep my ordinances. And we talked about this back in Exodus when the laws were being given out, this whole list of sins was being out. But God is really being spe very specific in this chapter. And, um, and not, not just leaving it, he's being very specific as who all is being banned on this. And it says, you shall therefore keep or guard my statutes and my judgments if any man do, which if any man do, he shall live in them, says the Lord. This is quite an interesting thing. If we keep his statutes, 
We will live in them, and this means to have life, true life, true living. But it also means to be revived, to be uh, quickened, as Paul tells us, that we are quickened by the Spirit. And we are made alive, and when we get saved, we know what that feeling is. All of a sudden, we who were dead become alive. And this is important for us to understand. When we are born as human beings, we have a body and a soul, but our spirit is dead. We have no spirit because the spirit is attached to God. When we get saved, he gives us a new heart, a new life, and he quickens our spirit. He makes it alive, and we become who we're supposed to be. And once we are saved, we can now live God's laws because the spirit is attached to God and gives us the power to be able to live correctly. Even though the flesh and the soul will continue to be a thorn in our side trying to get us to sin, and sometimes we'll win, the spirit and God are on the other side saying, listen to me and, and, and live righteously. Now he said... Um which I understand the babies, but when, how about when the Catholic whoever does that, um, that, what do you call it, that? The, the sprinkling of the infants? Yeah. Doesn't mean a thing. The yeah. infant made no choice and had no choice in it. That's a, Same thing when the Lutheran and many of these other Christian denominations sprinkle a baby and call it a baptism. Yeah, call it that, that baby had no choice, no, no decision in it. It meant nothing. So they that just, really doesn't. It doesn't do a yeah, thing. They have their outfits and they have their white gowns. Because we have to, you have to make a decision for God for it to mean anything. They justify that it washes away the original sin. They that's what they be. say, but that's not, that's yeah, not scriptural. That's their yeah, belief. Yeah. The christening, the christening doesn't, or, or baptism doesn't do anything good for the baby except gets the poor baby wet. Uh, wash away the original sin. Yeah. Doesn't wash away original sin because you will always have original sin. We all, even we who have accepted Jesus Christ, still have our original sin in us, and we will have it until we die. Because the body and the and the soul are against God. People would know that, or the people that are christening, they like. Maybe it's just a tradition they do. They want to do like show and tell or something. Well, we won't get too much into that. Oh yeah, I I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to bash them right now. uh, But well, I didn't mean that way. uh, Most of what the Catholics do is unfortunately not biblical. Uh, during their first confession, they, they've, they've learned about Jesus and sin and that Jesus is the way to heaven. So when Catholics are saved, it really depends on what first confession meant to them. Yeah, if, I mean, it meant, if it meant that it was a, if it, all it was was a step that I had to do yeah. and mom and dad wanted me to do it, they're probably not saved. If it was, mm-hmm. this was really special and I came alive, they're probably a Christian, and then they're very weak because they're, they're not going to be taught the Bible. Yeah. You usually got to do it on a Saturday before communion on Sunday. So yeah, because then first communion follows your first your first every yeah. Sunday. So, but all of that, I mean, I don't so want to speak. A, so, like, because you said, which I do know, when you're born, you're a sinner. Yes. But then, how the babies? How could they be saved? I'm, I'm they can't be. That then, yeah, like, they can't be. They're being christened, and then. Which takes you to a very interesting question of the whole thing that always comes up about age of accountability, which is not in the Bible. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's no age of accountability sentence in the Bible. The only thing that people will base that on is that David, when Bathsheba's child was killed, 
by God at less than a year old. He said, I'm, while the child lived, I, I fasted and prayed because God might have repented and, and let him live. But now that the baby's dead, I must go to him. <laughs> and so there's this idea that these babies have innocency to a certain period of time. Uh, I've thought about that many years, much over the years, and I don't know the right answer to that you one. Because see, age, I, I only thought about that. I never mm. asked anybody about that. Nothing. It doesn't say something about the age of accountability. Nope. Because if it does, it whether doesn't. it says it or not, the age of accountability is would never be the same for everybody. If the, if there is such a thing as an age of accountability, it would come down to when does a child know that they're doing right and wrong. Right. Yeah, that's it. And, and having raised four kids and babysit a lot of children that are very young, if the age of accountability is knowing right from wrong, it's only about four or five months because you tell that kid no, don't do something, and you can turn your back and you will watch, look at them watching you as they reach out and do what you had just told them no. So. It it's yeah, a very I mean, questionable thing, yeah, you know. uh, very questionable thing, and there is, I like I say, because there's nothing in the scriptures about it other than David saying yeah. that he had to go to the child, you know, and he was talking about going to heaven with the child. That's the only, only statement we have of somebody saying that the children will go to heaven without making a decision for God. Um, and we don't know. And I'm not, and I want to be careful as I say that because a lot of women who have lost young children their yeah. their great hope is that their child is in heaven yes and you know be because it was innocent like, you know six months or something maybe. so but i don't know the answer to that yeah. i have no idea what the because the it's an area the bible is very silent about all we know is that god is the perfect judge and this is one reason why there's probably some kind of age of accountability if a kid does not understand that sin deserves punishment then they cannot make a decision for God, and therefore God would have to judge them on, on that basis. Uh, and God is the perfect judge; He knows what He's doing. So we've got to be careful with that, and it's hard. It's hard for us to, to, to juggle and justify. Uh, I do believe that there probably is some kind of leeway there. What it is is a lot lower than what most churches will say. I do not believe it's ten and ten and twelve years old. That's way too old. Uh, because they know right and wrong it well before that, and they can know the difference of, of, of sin and the punishment for sin. Uh, but I've had people even go, it's got to be much higher because, you know, it, you know and then they'll, they'll look at the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness and saying, everybody, I think it was from 20 down, was going to be able to go to the promised land. And they go, see, obviously the age of accountability is way up at 20. You know, I don't... I, I can't I can't buy into a lot of that so uh, and don't have an answer for that in any way shape all right so let's look at this verse 6 none of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness I am the Lord now this near of kin literally means in this statement blood relative uh, so this would be your father, your mother, your, your brother and sister that are born of the same parents, the, uh, your, your grandparents, you know, falling down into your uh, aunts and uncles that are ones that are not, not the in-law section, but the ones that are born of, the, of this. 
And it says, you shall not uncover their nakedness, which is literally means their shameful, to shamefully expose them in their nakedness. Okay, so that really is talking about seeing them naked. And this word for approach literally means to lay with. So already we're talking about laying with this individual in their nakedness. You know, it, it's talking about sex with your, your blood relations. Where are we? Verse 6. All right. So I just wanted to cover those de definitions because this is really where we're coming into, uh, where it says you shall not draw near in, uh, where was this? Uh, I have it down at 6. Oh, approach. Uh, the approach is to draw near, to come into the most intimate proximity with and contact with. So this is, this is the idea. You're getting right in their face. You're getting right in there at their body. This isn't just drawing near to talk. This, is, this approach is coming together. And getting into the intimate spots, you know, they, if you study things, there's the your, your friend zone where you keep somebody out around three feet or so. Then you get into that intimate zone that is that very personal zone, you know, and that's your and personal space. Your personal space, which is a you know six inches to a foot, and then you get into the intimate zone, which is when you should be alone with your your spouse when you're in the intimate zone, and. Uh, and unfortunately, in our world, the intimate zone is expressed all over the place in this day and age. You, uh, so it's, but this is what he's talking about as he's going in here. Verse 7, the nakedness of your father and the nakedness of your mother shall you not uncover. She is your mother, and you shall not uncover her nakedness. So he's being very specific. You're not to go into your mother. And conversely, it would be father because of the later on statement. My Bible doesn't say one earthly thing about Noah. And I'm surprised that it didn't use what Noah are you talking as a about reference Noah? example here. No. When his son went in on him and... Yeah. No, this is part of what was happening. Yeah. Now, we don't know what exactly that totally meant in there because it doesn't say anything in there that he went... that Ham went in and, and actually sodomized him or anything. It's, that is believed by many that that's what happened during that period of time. Uh, but he definitely saw naked, the nakedness. Well, uh, people have a lot of definitions of sodomy, and it's a lot different than what you and I think it is. It's not just one thing. It's a lot of different sexual things. Any sexual sin between the same sex is sodomy. So now they're trying to redefine it, but it's, you know, they're really trying to redefine it nowadays, and some liberal Christians have redefined it, but sodomy is homosexuality. What? Homosexuality. Uh, verse 8, the nakedness of your father's wife shall, not, shall you not uncover. It is your father's nakedness. And this is, okay, first it talked about your mother. Now this is his wife, because remember, polygamy is still a big thing, so it's possible that any of his wives are now being included in this. So if he has two or three wives... Your mother you're not to go into, and you're not to go into any of the other. I don't know what they would be called in a polygamous, you know, stepmothers or half-mothers or whatever you would call that. 
relationship, but you know, any of his other wives you were not to go into. And like I said, this is getting very specific. He's getting very specific on, on detailing this, uh, the nakedness of your sister, the daughter of your father, or the daughter of your mother, whether she is born at home or abroad, even their nakedness shall you not uncover. So that covers sisters and, and half-sisters uh, that we're not to be having a relationship with. And again, it's the same words, nakedness, in that the shameful exposure, uh, uncover is to, to be revealed in, in that intimate intimacy. Um, the nakedness of your son's daughters or your daughter's daughters, even their nakedness shall you not uncover for it is their own nakedness. So he's now getting down into their granddaughters. Uh, very specifically, either, your, either through your daughter or son's. God is being very specific here. He's not even giving them any room to say, well, you just said the daughter, so I can do, my, I can do them if they're born of my son. You know, so he's saying, no, none of them. <laughs> and we see the specificness that God is getting at. Why? Why is God being so specific? Because we like loopholes. <laughs> well, God, you didn't say this, so therefore it wasn't included. Even though the spirit of the law very clearly meant you know, any of your grandchildren, they're going to say, well, you didn't specifically spell it out, God, so there's, a, there's my loophole. And when people are wanting to commit sin, they're always looking for the loopholes. And our world is getting to that point. You no longer have a contract with a shake of a hand and a, and a verbal agreement. You have to have a contract. a contract written out with everything that could possibly be considered spelled out. So you can't even just have a one-page contract. You end up getting these 30, 40-page contracts because they got anything they think that you might try to, to use as a loophole has to be covered. And even then, people will search through it and find loopholes to say, well, you didn't cover this, so it wasn't, wasn't part, of, part of the agreement. And sinful man will always be looking for loopholes. The Christian, pe the Christian people, the people living after God's heart and his desires, honor their word, they work hard because they're working as unto God, if they're living for God. And they're trustworthy because they're not looking for the loopholes. They're looking at any way that they can to honor God. The, the good Christian worker will go above and beyond what was required to make sure that they're a good witness for God. But because God knows that he's dealing with sinful people, he's laying out a very strong loophole-free statement here. Verse 11, the nakedness of your father's wife's daughter, begotten of your father, for she is your sister, you shall not uncover her nakedness. Okay, so now we're getting into the, the half-sisters. Um, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister, for she is your near kinsman, kinswoman, literally aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is your near, mother's near kinswoman. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. Thou shalt not approach to his wife. She is your aunt. So he's being very specific, male, female side again. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. Thou shalt not approach to his wife, for she is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law, for she is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. 
So you want to go after your daughter-in-laws. And the sad thing, these things happen nowadays. These things happen a lot nowadays. Uh, and it's a sad, sad place that this is where our world is headed. Is Everything God is saying don't do, right now we are probably in the realm of Egypt where all this stuff happens frequently and is considered even quasi-normal for those who aren't Christians and, and following God. Um, you shall not uncover the, the nakedness of your brother's wife, for she is, it is your brother's nakedness. So your daughter-in-law, you know, your, uh, your brother's wife, your daughter-in-law. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter. Neither shall you take her son's daughter nor her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. For they are her near kinswoman. It is wickedness. Now this one changes. Your brother's wife would be your sister-in-law. Yeah. Your brother's wife. Brother's wife, yeah, sister-in-law. Sister-in-law. <laughs> uh, confusing all the time. Oh, yeah, it gets... But she did. It said daughter or the daughter-in-law. Basically, no daughters-in-laws or, or, or your in-laws from your... your, your, your like, no relatives. relatives. Basically, it comes down to no, no, no relatives. Yeah. No relatives. Now, this is the first place where it kind of makes a big change here. It says, neither shall you take a... Uh, Neither shall you uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter or any of her, her <laughs> children's. So this is a really, if you think about the perversion that this is involving, this is involved saying that you're going to take a woman, which would be a legal relationship, and then go into her daughter as well. And that God says, no, you're not going to do that. You could take the daughter, or you know, but or, or the mother, but not both. Okay, and this is a very big perversion, you know, to 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 be looking at it. God is, re, you know, saying, you know, no, no near relationship because it is just that wicked to him. You know, and he goes on to say, you know, nor nor her son's daughters, nor her daughters. So not her, not getting even down to her grandchildren. You know, so he's covering three generations here for this uh, this family, okay? Uh, and again, it would be because this is a different family. Any one of the three would be okay, but not all. You know, not any two or three of them. The mother, the daughter, or the granddaughter would all be okay for God. You know, because it's a man with a woman, but not the whole. Not dealing with the whole family like that. And this is this is an interesting and interesting thing that God does. He's he's being very specific. Then he says, eighteen. Neither shall you take a wife to her sister to vex her to uncover her naked, besides the other in her lifetime. So what ended up happening to Jacob, where he married Leah and Rachel? God says, no, that is not right. Uh, okay. You can't marry the sisters. And we saw the problems in Jacob's life. We saw the problems of Marian's sisters. Okay, it was a great headache to him. And the jealousy, and it's bad enough to have a polygamous marriage, but to have two sisters who have probably competed all their life and maybe even have competed over the same boys at a certain period of time in their life, now have the same husband. Now, my two brothers married sisters. That would be not a problem. That would be okay. That would be okay. Yeah, now, if he married brother, both, if one of them married both of them, that would not be allowed. No, my oldest brother married Kathy, and then 
Now you couldn't divorce them and go to it. It says in her lifetime. Okay, because for all these years I thought that you couldn't marry. Okay, I'm going to stand from the woman's point of view. You couldn't have your husband pass away, get killed in a war, and if you don't have any children, then you can claim one of the brothers. But that's the biblically it was mandated. But if she's got children, she still can't marry the brother because she's uncovering her husband's nakedness if she does. That's not what it says. Oh, no, he died, so if he's dead, you're free. If that person is dead, you are free. Just as Paul said, you're, you're, the woman is bound to their husband as long as, as long as he lives. As soon as he's li died, she is no longer bound to him and pretty much she's free to do. Well, it doesn't matter to Mary, me one way or the other. Yeah. I just thought it was that way all these years. Yep. All right. Verse 19. Also you shall not approach unto a woman to uncover her nakedness as long as she is put apart for her uncleanness. And we've talked about this. The uncleanness is her period. Uh, you were not to go into any woman during that period of time. Even your own wife you were not to go into during that period of time. Uh Verse 20, you shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to defile yourself with her. And this, this word lie literally is to co-populate, to lie with sex. This is, there's no question to this one. It is co-population or sex is what this word means in Hebrew. Sex. Co-population, trying to have children. Mine is more blunt. Mine's an intercourse. Intercourse. Yep. Yep. And that's what this word literally means. Yeah. It takes a cold. You can't reproduce by yourself. There, there, this is, this, the reason that I bring this out is because you're going to find that you've got some very liber liberal churches and Christian leaders now that are trying to say, well, this lie doesn't mean to have sex. Well, if you get into the Hebrew, it means to have sex. It's just plain and simple. What, are you going to just get naked uh, and lay with your next-door neighbor's wife and think everything's going to be... Let him come home early with his gun in his hand from hunting and find out. And carnally here has the same implication. It means to sow or offspring. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is double, double barrel on them saying, you know, you're having sex and your whole purpose is to have offspring. Uh, so this is this with your neighbor's wife. So this is... Very specifically, if she's married, she's off, off limits. This is adultery, plain and simple, and God is very specific on this. So any near, kin, any near relative is off limits, any sisters are off limits, while the, while the one lives, uh, your neighbor's wives are off, off limits. Uh, so God is being very specific here. 
Uh, verse 21, And you shall not let any of your seed pass through the fire to Moloch, neither shall you profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. And we've talked about Moloch worship. Moloch was the god of power, of prosperity. It was an idol with its arms out, and they would put fire inside the altar, inside the, the idol, until it got bright red. They'd put the babies in the arms of the god and then roll them back inside the, altar, in, inside the idol. And it was a form of abortion, but it was human sacrifice. And it was supposed to give you blessings and, and business success. How could it be abortion? Post-abortion. Afterwards, you mean? Yeah, we're, we're, yeah. We have pre-abortion. Most of the world has practiced post-abortion afterwards by offering their children to the idols or, as Romans did, just throwing them in the rivers. In, 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 infanticide, you know, getting rid of your kids, whether it's pre or pre pre birth or post birth. So it's a form of abortion. Murder is murder. It's murder. Is murder. Yep. Verse twenty-two. This is the one that is the, the clear-cut definition on homosexuality. You shall not lie, and that goes back to that co-populate or sect or have intercourse. With mankind as with womankind, it is an abomination, a disgusting thing. It is an abomination. So God talks about homosexuality being wrong. Very clearly, straightforward. There is no question that God says it's wrong. Amen. Okay? And the, the, the liberal, liberal churches are trying to redefine this verse and every other verse that talks about homosexuality. But this one is extremely clear. I mean, we had the one in Exodus that's very clear. To lie with another person, another man with, as with a woman, is homosexuality, and it is called an abomination. Disgusting thing, God says. Neither shall you lie with any beast to defile yourself therewith, neither shall any woman stand before a beast to lie down thereof, it is confusion. And confusion here literally means perversion against nature. Okay? Because there is no purpose in it. It's bad enough, man, you know, all these different sexual human perversions are bad enough, but at least a child can happen from them. You get into the beast, everything produces after its kind, so there is no reason whatsoever other than to be a straightforward perversion. Okay? All the rest are bad. Don't get me wrong, but, you know, at least when it's male and female, that there's a purpose possible with it to have a child as long as you're not going to abort it. And abortions have been going on forever, either pre or post abortion. You know, the Egyptians were very good at making concoctions to, to abort babies before they were born. Uh, taking a baby early was a way that they did it, just like we do today. Sacrificing the baby post-birth to idols was a way to, to abort them and get rid of them. And just abandoning them. Many times they were just abandoned to die. Uh, and this is the sad part. This, everything we think is new in this day and age is not new. It's all happened. It's all been part of what's out there. I was told that there was a, in hospitals, there's a section of the nursery, don't feed. I don't know that for sure, but 
I told it a long time ago, and yeah. I can't remember enough about it. I don't know. I've never heard it. I've never heard it other than vague things on the internet. So I don't. I don't. I don't buy it. When I worked in the hospital, I never saw it. But uh, so I'm not going to say it doesn't. But it doesn't. I've never seen it. I've never seen any evidence other than those vague uh, theory, you know, conspiracy theory people out there that talk about it. Okay. Could and. When I don't when when I don't see anybody give me any citation of anything that I can look up, I I take it with half a grain of salt. I don't even I don't even give it much thought at all, and that's why there's a couple of places things that I used to get on you know emailed to me and I just drop them because they got sensational stories but they never quote any sources anywhere in any of their stories and it's like I don't hear this anywhere except from you so you know I don't I don't give it any any consideration and you want to be careful conservatives are as bad as the liberals when it comes to blowing stories out of proportion okay the liberals are doing it to get their point across and the conservatives do it to get their point across we don't we don't cringe against we as christians and for the most part don't cringe against the conservatives because it pretty much matches what we want to hear anyway uh, it's like the debates with, with, uh, between MSN and Fox News. Okay, uh, MSN, I can't stand because it is so far out there on the other side. But by the same token, when I listen to Fox News, they blow things out of proportion almost as much as the liberal side, except that we want to agree with it more. And you, and you do more research and you go, okay, it wasn't quite as bad. Okay, and, and my examples on this is I went to a to a Promise Keepers thing in, in uh, Washington, D.C. one time. Some close to a million men came out. There was this protest group of about 40 or 50 people. When I saw the news last uh, on that night when I went home, this group of 40 or 50 people that I had walked past was filmed in such a way to make them look like there were thousands of them. <laughs> and the story behind it was this great big group of protesters was there to protest this men's group. And it's like, okay, maybe 40 or 50 people there, and you're, pro, you're, you're against a million people, and this is your story? You know, filmed in such a way and told in such a way that it made it sound like there are thousands of them. But Fox News has done the same process when they film things. They, you, if you watch very carefully, every once in a while, you'll realize that there's only a handful of people in the group that they're filming. Okay, so you gotta be very careful and, and know that the media are twisting things and, on us. Was that the time, did, did they march in front of the, it was peaceful, in front of the White House? Oh, it was just a gathering in the grounds where, they, where we had a message broadcast. But it wasn't. There was no march involved at all. Because there was something that was in front of the White House. I don't know that there was any marching involved. I don't even remember now what yeah. it was. But they said the name Jesus, just Jesus. Mm. And it started at this end, at the back of this group of people. And I would have loved to have gone to whatever it was. And, but this, the name went like a wave. 
all the way to the front, and that's the most beautiful thing I ever heard. It was just the name of Jesus. When was that? No, it's been Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's whatever it was, it was peaceful. But most of the thing, most of the time, conservative actions or patriot actions are very peaceful. They, the amazing thing is they clean up after themselves. They leave the place, you know, looking good. Uh, and and it is and it is very true when the liberals meet, the places are trashed. There, there's violence that happens. Probably not as bad as some of them make it out to be. But there's some violence. There's you know because they're protesting for anti-God stuff and the flesh comes out. Okay. I'm, I'm uh, definitely not that kind of person. So, and, but, you, but I, I say this all just to be, be a warning. Be careful what you listen to from these different sources out there because there, there are a lot of twisting going on. And we as Christians especially, we need to come out to a place where we just want to love people and to give them Jesus. Uh, and this is why it's important. It's not that I'm saying don't go out and do marches and everything, but the purpose of it should be for love, to build, to build Jesus up, to lift him up. Because anything else just pulls God down into the gutter with them. And, and we just need to be able to love people and show them this love that is honest and, and God's true love and care for them and saying, you need God. And this is why it's important for all of this to happen. All right, let's look at this. Uh, confusion, perversion, 24. Defile not yourselves in any of these things, for in all these nations are defiled which I cast out before you. And the land is defiled, therefore I do visit the iniquity upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. And we've talked about Canaan and all of this sexual perversion that was going on also brought with it, just as it has today, sexual, tra sexually transmitted diseases and, and infections and, and all of that stuff that goes along with it. And it's been said over and over, and I've said this, we could end all the sexually transmitted diseases and AIDS and all of these problems within a generation or two if we just followed God's rules. If all you do is have sex with one person who is your spouse for the rest of your life, you have no worries about, even if there was the com combining of somebody with the diseases, it's not going to spread. And in time, it would disappear completely. So God's rules, but in this case, Canaanites were full of the sexually transmitted diseases. When, they, when you read the historical documents about how about their sicknesses that followed them, they were because they were so open and 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 free with their relationships that they had caused all these problems. And God said they're so bad they have literally defiled the land, and the land itself wanted to be able to be free. Our earth has been polluted and ruined by sin as much as anything else. When Adam and Eve sinned, all of creation fell. This world fell. The, the ground produced thorns and thistles where before it produced good things. Animals became brutal after the, after the 
the flood, the death and cycle started before there was no death. There was no disease. Adam and Eve sinned and everything changed instantly. Everything. And we can't even picture what that means. Because we live in a life of, of death even when things are going right. We live in a, in a, in a place of death. Even if you were in a pure pasture with green grass and pretty flowers and trees all around it and the bunny rabbits hopping all over the place you know, or anything else, butterflies floating around, it is a polluted, dead place. Things are dying. Animals are dying in that meadow that you're looking at that looks so beautiful. Death but, yeah, is there. And and I use that as an example because that is one of the most pristine things that we can think of. It's as near per perfection as we can think of a nice babbling brook that has been running over rocks so the water's pure, you can drink the water, uh, the birds are there singing. And as beautiful as that is. It is fallen and dead. So we don't even have a place to even begin to comprehend God and heaven and perfection. Because everything, everything we're used to is death and corrupted and dying. The that's whole like world. Going, that's why I like going with property to the Grand Canyon. I got God's country because he's parcels 40 acres in. You have, I have no electricity or water, so I'm sure my solar lights, and it is just so peaceful. As yeah. a few days, but then, you know, people do drive on the one road, but it's a dead end road. <laughs> And yet, and yet, it is a defiled country. It, yeah. You know, even as beautiful as it is, the most beautiful country you can think of is defiled. The, the most pristine, calm place you can think of is defiled. And that's why, when when we talk about heaven, you know, we talk about the gates of pearl and the streets of gold. We can't We don't even have the language to comprehend what it must be like. The smells that we'll smell that are not dead smells. The taste that we'll have that are not dead taste. The colors that are not drab and dreary, even the brightest colors like our little poster, you know, stained glass posters here that are bright and, and brilliant are probably nothing when you think about the heavenly colors. You know, the sounds that we will hear that aren't dead sounds, that are truly alive sounds. Uh, there's been there authors over the time that have tried to picture heaven and and explain it and even even the best ones of those aren't probably aren't close to it. And God is saying, you know, the world is this this sin that the Canaanites are committing is so bad that the world is trying to get rid of them. The earth, the very earth that they're in is trying to get rid of them. And which probably means the, the crops are defiled, the land itself is defiled, the water is defiled. And God is saying it's time to get them out of there and make it a land flowing with milk and honey. And it says, don't go there. Verse 26, you shall therefore keep or guard my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any in your nation or the strangers that sojourn among you. 
He has now went back and he's defining all of the sexual perversions that he's talked about as abominations. Before, the only one that he said was an abomination was homosexuality. And he said that bestiality was a perversion. But now at this statement, he's saying, any of these things we've been talking about are an abomination. Because it's not honoring relationships. And this is where God is getting to. He wants relationships completely honored. He wants the, the husband and wife relationship to be special and honored. He wants children to be protected within their families and until they go off on their own to make their own families that was told talked about in Genesis, that they were to leave their father and mother and cleave to one another when they found them. I and I don't mean to interrupt you. The abomination, you probably have a different uh, definition than we do. What, what did we have for abomination? That was homosexual. Homosexuality was discussed as an abomination, but an, abomina an abomination is anything, is, is literally a disgusting thing. Okay, and that is. That would be if you walked up upon, you know, you're out hiking and you end up coming upon a dead animal that has just died and is bloated and has flies all over it. It usually, somebody seeing that usually, if they have any sensitivity at all, looks at that and says, ooh, you know, that's disgusting. Well, that's an abomination and that's when we see this. And this is why our world is pushing on our entertainment cycles especially to push abom uh, homosexuality in our face so much mm. that it ceases to be an abominable thing in our sight because we get so used to seeing it. And that's why I won't hardly watch TV anymore because there's so many of them. But, but it even goes back into the idea of murder. Murder should be something that is very disgusting and an abomination to us. It's said that the average child in a year sees three or four hundred murders on TV in that year. And I think it's higher than that nowadays. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, you know, but you see a murder all the time on TV to the point of it becomes fascinating. Now if you have kids that are playing video games, they're seeing murders all the time because you've got Call, call the Valor, a, a military game where you're shooting up the enemy. You, you know, and Yes, there should be a place where you separate the real from the, the real from the fantasy. But if you expose yourself enough to the fantasy, that deadens the effect of reality. Okay, and this is very critical for us. And then we've got games that are glorifying stealing and glorifying rape and all these things that are being glorified in these games. And you get extra points for doing them. You know. You can't play the game with, you know, and, and win if you're going to play it righteously. If you really want the point, you've got to go in and do all the things wrong. You know, I babysit a lot of kids. And I'm not going to say if God told me to, but I believe he did. No games. Mm -hmm. I was invited by parents, let me bring these over, they'll help entertain the children. And I said, no, I have a theory of my own. God gave them an imagination. God gave Edison, Bell. He gave all of us imaginations to be used. You're letting fantasy world, instead of invent their imagination for them. 
And I wouldn't allow it. They could yeah. watch one movie a day at nap time. Yeah. And then it goes on, verse 27, For all these abominations have the men in the land done which were before you, and the land is defiled. This is now the third time he said, the land is defiled. The land that they lived in because their sin was so abhorrent. And we are seeing that nations are becoming defiled because of all the sin that runs rampant in it. We are approaching the days of Noah. We're, we're getting there. But when we think about these kind of descriptions, we're not there yet. We're getting there fast, and we're seeing these things happening, but we're not quite to the place where all of this stuff is totally accepted. It's coming, and it's getting closer. Homosexuality is very close to being fully accepted as a viable lifestyle. Pedophilia is becoming incest. All of this stuff is starting to become acceptable to people. And we're going to see it, and it's going to keep getting worse. The more we draw away from God, the, our country draws away from God, the more of this stuff we're going to see. And the less of an abomination is going to seem to them because the Canaanites did not look at this stuff and say it's an abomination. It was normal to them. God says it's an abomination. You need to get rid of them so that you're not drawn into their abominations. And at the very end it says that the land spew not you out also when you defile it. Note this what it says, when you defile it. God knew that they would. God knows that we're going to enter into these things. It says that when you defile it, as it spewed out the nations that were before you, for whosoever shall commit any of these abominations, even that soul that commit them, shall be cut off from their people. Therefore shall you guard my ordinances and ye commit not any of these abominable customs which were committed before you, and that ye defile not yourself. I am your Lord, the Lord your God. And the whole reason that we should be doing this is because we're honoring God. We will stay away from these things. And this is why it's critical for us to get into God's word, get into a way to thinking like he does and to agree with him. When he says something's a sin, we need to agree that it is a sin. Yes and stay away from it. Because even the littlest acceptance will eventually draw us in. It's like the hole in the, in the, in the dam. It, it starts out small. And the more the water runs through it, the more that hole will crack and, and expand. Well, people always say, well, everybody's doing it now. I said, I don't care if everybody's doing it. I mean, it's and that's the key that we need to look at because this is the world that we're living in. Everybody's doing it. I know that, that's what they're Everybody's right. okay right. with it. But everybody's doing it. I said, I don't care. A lot of people are jumping off cliffs where my dad was in Saipan in World War II and they were jumping off cliffs. Everybody was doing it. So they all jumped off the cliff because Americans were going to torture them. But it's so important for us to be able to say, this is what God says, I'm going to live this way. And we're going to be in the minority. The early church in the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire was very much this way. You know, every sexual perversion was happening in the Roman Empire. Uh, the Greeks did it before that. Uh, we are now entering into a place where we are matching these other ancient places with, with every perversion being available. And... 
we as a Christian church need to stand up for God and shine the light of righteousness and, 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 and bring people to Christ. Not to sit there and criticize their lifestyle and try to tear them down, but to say, you need to come to God. And then once they come to God, then God can change who they are because we saw what happened. The Christianity changed and turned the world upside down back to God for a long time. And we've been spoiled because even though we haven't had a perfect relationship with God for many, many years, we've had over a thousand years where at least the Western civilization has been under the, the morality of God anyway, if not the Christian church, because we, we've just basically had his morals, but his morals have held sway and we've seen great blessings by being under his morals. The world is now swinging back out of God's morals. And we're seeing it the way it's been for most of the most of its life, most of the time on Earth since since Noah's flood was really what we're experiencing now, with Nimrod setting the pace for all of this false religions and and sexual relationships and worship, and the church the church that Nimrod started is still in practice today under various names. And in the in the Genesis in Revelation, it's called Mystery Babylon. It still exists, and all that he all that he brought up from Mystery Babylon has been practiced, and has continued to be practiced. And Christian Church came along. The Jews came along, but didn't evangelize the way God wanted them. They were supposed to go to the whole world and bring them to to God. They did not. The Christian Church went out changed the world for a couple thousand years and now we're starting to see it go back as the church has been polluted and it really has been polluted we the church the church in, a, in this day in this time there still is a remnant there are a remnant of christians but for the most part the church has been polluted and practices don't that doesn't understand the reasons why they do things they do a lot of tradition things and not biblical things and they do things just because that's the way it's always been done and don't know why they're doing it. And God's saying, come back to me. And eventually the things will get so bad, he's going to say, church, come home. <laughs> and then we'll have seven years where Satan has rule, over, practical rule over this world. He still has his boundaries. God's not going to let him destroy the whole world. But he's, he's got, he will be able to do a lot of stuff to this world. And God will send judgments to try to bring people to him. So we've got a lot coming up. We've got a lot. We've got a lot of scary things coming up. But we as Christians need to keep an eye that God is our, has our home in heaven. We have nothing to fear in this earth because all we're going to do the, the, is be sent home. That's the worst the world can do for us to send us home. And that's, that would be great. And that's great for that's us. That's right. <laughs> Or God, or it's going to get so bad that God's going to call us home, and then this world will really have something—an abomination—to be worrying about when Satan is ruling for seven years. But we don't want to worry. We don't. And I say these things not to bring us into fear, because God is stronger. He's going to give us the grace to go through everything. We may see lots of martyrdom happening here very soon. We're already seeing it in the Middle East and in Africa and Indonesia. We're seeing martyrdom happening all the time. That we're going to start seeing it more. Africa's starting to have a lot of martyrs in it. And we're going to start seeing it more in, in the uh, European area and the, in the Americas. We're going to start seeing martyrs, ha martyrdom happening. All because the Bible tells us it will.
At least they've gone home quick. At least they're going home quick when they are killing the Christians. They, are, they know where they're going. And, they, and, you know. yeah, and we need to be able to always hold on to God. And this is why I've said over and over in recent days, we need to get the attitude of the apostles. Praise God that we're worthy of suffering for Jesus. Because if we're not looking at it that way, we're going to, we're going to fall. We're going to fall if we don't see it as, thank you, God, for, for finding me worthy of suffering for you. Because there's no reason to suffer otherwise. This is one thing I think in this school. I was never a smart, I, got, I wasn't a smart person, you know, I barely passed. I said, this is one thing that I got an A plus because I'm passing and not only the other people that think they're high and mighty and they're not, I'm going to be a winner. Yeah. And All I right. think, you know. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this study, Lord, and looking at how perverse the world was, Lord, and that you, you brought out so much. You put your morality in this country, in this world, for a short period of time, Lord, as far as this world's concerned. And Lord, the, the perversions are coming back with a vengeance, and we ask that you, number one, give us strength to live in your worldview. Give us strength to follow you. Help us always to live the way you would want us to live and to share the gospel with others. Give us the strength to be willing to stand alone if we need to, and that it would, because you'll be with us. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.